entrepreneurs, business leaders, and professionals who seek excellence. Bringing the business classroom to you. It's the Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Here's Marty Wolf. Welcome to the Business Builders Show. My name is Marty Wolf. I am the host for the Business Builders Show. And my special guest today is Rob Garver. Hi, Rob. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Marty. Yeah, I'm thrilled. Um, Rob wrote a great book. The title of the book is Here Forever, The Timeless Impact of John Smale on Procter & Gamble, General Motors, and the Purpose and Practice of Business. Maybe I'll repeat the last part, the purpose and practice of business. So, uh, Rob, great book. I know uh, I told you I enjoyed it, and so I'm thrilled you're here. I'm going to do a brief introduction of Rob, and it is like this. Rob Garver is a journalist and freelance writer based in Washington, D.C. His work has appeared in The Washington Post, The New York Times, and Voice of America, among other publications. He served as national correspondent for The Fiscal Times and collaborated with Bob Woodward on Woodward's New York Times bestselling book, The Price of Politics. Rob holds a master's degree in public policy from Georgetown University and a bachelor's degree from the University of Vermont. So again, Rob, uh, welcome to the show to kind of kick us off. Um, John E. Pepper, former chairman and CEO of Procter & Gamble, wrote the foreword to your book, which was very nice of him, right? And so to kick this off, I thought I would read what John Pepper said, the first sentence he says in the foreword of your book. John Smale thought in generations, not just in decades, and certainly not just in years. He didn't predict the future. He made the decisions necessary to create it. So, Rob Garver, you wrote the book. Who was who was John Smale? What was he all about? Um, that's that's a big question, Marty. He was uh, just <laughs> narrow to, it down. <laughs> yeah, to give you the the very brief version uh, is that he ran Procter and Gamble uh, throughout most of the 1980s, and uh, over the course of his tenure there, uh, changed it into a what they referred to as a truly global corporation. They doubled the number of countries where they do business, um, doubled their revenue uh, over that 10-year period, um, and they extended their reach by billions of consumers. Uh, this was done in part through acquisition, in part by uh, straight-up expansion. Um, he stepped down... Um, uh, after nine years running the company, when uh, he he could quite easily have stayed on for years longer, there was a rough tradition of of uh, leaving uh, in, when you're in your early sixties, though, and he held to that um, and moved on in pretty short order. Uh, he had been a member of the board of General Motors for some time, but within three years of his leaving Procter and Gamble. Uh, General Motors had run into so much trouble that Smale wound up leading what at the time was referred to as the boardroom coup, uh, mm-hmm. in, in which the the board essentially uh, uh, 
cut off the the entire top management team yeah. uh, of General Motors. Smale wound up becoming the chairman himself, and they appointed Jack Smith uh, to lead a turnaround of GM, which uh, which he did. Yeah. Um, so he Smale had his his hands deeply into the works of two iconic American companies uh, during his career. Yes. So um, how did you get the opportunity to write this book? <laughs> it was interesting how you told that story, uh, maybe divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. So tell us <laughs> about was, that. It was unexpected. It, I didn't go looking for this, as I said in the book. Um it was kind of an accident of my having worked for Woodward. There's a kind of very loose network of people who did the job I did on different books. And one of them was approached by Smale's family about writing a biography. Uh, and he was unable to, to take the job. And he asked me if I'd be interested in learning about it. And uh, so they reached out to me and uh, here I am. Uh, here you are. So I have to admit that I did not read a lot or hear a lot about John Smale. And so uh I I knew he I knew he had a uh certainly a tenure at uh, Procter and Gamble, but I didn't know much else. So um roundabout way I'm asking um did, did the did you have the family's blessings to do this and 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 what was that like to to talk to the family and talk to a p and g and folks from gm about writing this book talk to me about that it's somewhat complicated the the short answer is yes i did have the family's blessing um and and their cooperation but at the same time uh most of his children uh, and in particular, Kathy Kaldemeyer, who is the one who hired me to do this, recognized that Smell would have hated the idea of someone writing a book about him. Yeah. Um, so they uh, they participated, but kind of did so. I don't want to say looking over their shoulders or something, but it was uh, I think a, a strange experience for them because. It, I mean, you, you mentioned that you hadn't read much about him That's because there wasn't much to read. Yeah. He didn't write any books. Um, he was he was asked to, particularly after the, the GM um, experience, but he, he always declined. Um, didn't give a ton of interviews. Um, wasn't. Yeah. You know, he was he was in the Jack Welsh era, but he was not that kind of CEO. Uh, very buttoned down, very quiet. Yeah. So. Uh, John came on 1981, I think, on the Procter & Gamble. And the 80s were a uh, rip-roaring time of acquisitions, financialization, uh, overseas. Uh, it was a complex time. A lot of people were in the limelight a lot. And so John, uh, who you wrote about in the book, was humble. I guess that's the best word, but he led. That was obviously. That's the word that many people used to describe him. Yeah, yeah, I, I've seen that. I've seen that in the book. So, um, you brought your own story into your book about John Smale. So, tell us why and how did your own story integrate into your? Because really, this I took this as a business book, and here you are putting that's different. How it personal stuff in there. So, so tell us, tell us more about that, how that happened. This started off being a, a pretty straightforward, uh, business biography. It was going to focus 
primarily on the, the nine years he spent running PNG and then his years at GM. Um, but uh, sadly, as I was working my way through what I now think of as the first book or the first version of the book, uh, my father became very ill. Um, and uh, coincidentally, he died of a fairly obscure uh, lung condition, um, which is what killed John Smale. And it, uh, there was a period when I was just unable to work on the book. I was, I was uh, trying to take care of my parents and mm -hmm. uh, I had to move away from it. Um, and when I came back to it, um, I was looking at it with, with kind of different eyes. Um, I knew that Kathy had wanted, uh, a biography of sorts, but I came to understand that I think she wanted something that was less dry, less just the facts about the business and more about the man himself and his relationships with people. Um, and, uh, and his relationships with the companies he worked with, but, but really the way his, um, management style and his effect on other people, uh, left an even larger mark in many ways than, than any individual business decisions he made. Yeah. yeah. You did a remarkably good job of combining those two stories. Uh, a business book would have kept me engaged, but this I couldn't put down. Um, the personalization of it really, really got to me, and I've offered the book to a few other people already, and, and so it, 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 it did a really good job with that. But, okay, not but, yes, in addition to. Um, yeah, no, another comment. I'm going to jump around a little bit. Forgive me. You wrote the book. There's no questions I can't ask you. So, but the humility and not hearing much about him is is so much in contrast to the other things that were going on in the eighties. I, I hate to keep yeah. bringing that back, but it, it, that's why this was such a refreshing story for both from a personal story and a professional standpoint. You see what I? I mean, you understand what I'm saying yeah. there, Rob? Yeah, he was very much. Uh, he was. He was very different from a lot of the people that rose to prominence in the 1980s. And, and that in fact is where the title of the book comes from. Correct. Yes. Um, he uh, was desperate to make sure that Procter and Gamble could not be acquired in yeah. the, in the time of the eighties, when you had these uh, leverage buyouts happening all over the place, he was desperate to make sure that never happened to Procter and Gamble. And, I was uh, doing an interview with with um, a former finance exec from PNG, and I kind of jokingly said to him, "Well, what's the big deal? He gets bought, he goes fishing for the rest of his life. He gets a huge payout." Yeah. And the guy was offended. I, I mean, he he just looked at me and he said, "Rob, this company is 150 years old. Yeah, if we got bought, it they'd change the name. We wouldn't be here anymore." And I said, okay. And he said, John's idea was we're here forever. Yeah. Um, and that, it, it took me a minute. Um, 
Well, that's so but different. That was his, yeah, yeah, that's so that different. That was his approach. That's Yeah, again, I'll repeat the book since you brought it up. And uh, my guest is Rob Garver. His last name is spelled G-A-R-V-E-R, Rob Garver. The book is Here Forever, as we're talking about, The Timeless Impact of John Smale on Procter & Gamble General Motors and the Purpose and Practice of Business. The idea of Here Forever. He talked about purpose. He talked about um those kinds of things, how we treat people, all those kinds of things, that again was in so much contract to what contract was going contrast what was going on in the eighties. So I, that's what I really love. So let's 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 get into uh, I guess some of the details. Um, you gave us um, some information, or give us talk to us more about it by what he was saying. Why great companies are social institutions that need to be nurtured. And 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 last over time. Give me more details on what he he meant and what you meant by great companies are social institutions that need to be nurtured. Talk to me more about that. He in 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 a number of different interviews he said that he believed that companies like Procter and Gamble and General Motors have and the, the word he used was, was a soul. Mm-hmm. Um, that they persist through generations, not because of individual leaders, but because of an ethos that the institution possesses, that it is able to pass on to generation after generation of leaders. Um, and it was, he very much saw these companies that he ran as something far, far larger than money-making ventures. Um, I mean, he was always quick to say, we need to turn a profit. You know, that, that's, yeah. that was a kind sure. of a given. However, that was not the ultimate or only purpose of, of these companies. He saw them as institutions that gave people who worked for them uh, a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose um, that could be uh, institutions that could be of huge benefit to the communities where mm-hmm. they operated. Mm-hmm. Um, P&G is deeply integrated in the city of Cincinnati, for instance, mm-hmm. um, yep. and and has been for, for generations before Smale came and that has continued to be uh, in, in the generation since. Um, and he, he, he saw these institutions as broadly meaningful and broadly beneficial beyond, uh, far beyond what appears on the balance sheet uh, and the you know, quarterly earnings statements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you feel that, John's leadership story is needed and relevant today, maybe more than ever. What's your thoughts? I think it's, I think it's certainly relevant. It, it's, uh, we, we talk a lot, uh, in the, with folks I've been discussing the book with, have talked a lot about the, the, the absence or, or the loss of trust, um, that, that people, uh, in the United States and then arguably, uh, even more broadly, uh, have lost in, in institutions. Um, you know, our government levels of trust in the government are extraordinarily low levels of trust in, um, 
local institutions are very low. And, and what SMELL was all about was kind of building these bonds and importantly, consistently acting in a way that engendered trust, that did not make you uh, suspicious of, of motives. Um, it was one of the first things that, that drew me into this uh, piece. I think, I think you and I might have discussed this at one point. Uh, before I'd signed on to, to do this, they sent me a copy of a speech that Smale was delivering at various uh, venues uh, in the 1970s. He was president of the company at the time, but not yet CEO. And to boil it down, he was basically arguing for uh, a, a version of stakeholder capitalism yeah. into the teeth of the shareholder value movement. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was just after Milton Friedman uh, had, had oh, yeah. written his, that, that seminal essay. Yeah. And the idea of shareholder value was the be-all, end-all of uh, kind of management uh, theory at the time. And he went completely against the current um, and said, no, that, that, is, that is wrong. We have a responsibility to our employees, to our communities, to the people, you know, to our, uh, the people we do business with. Um, and to say, to say otherwise is, is short-sighted and, you know, uh, bad for the business in the long run. And bad for the business. And as your book title says, here forever, I don't know if they'll be here forever, but Procter & Gamble is still standing strong while some of the other companies in the roaring 80s have been long gone. Yeah. <laughs> so so there's an indicator. There's a business indicator right there. Um, you also mentioned somewhere, maybe at the very end, I'm not sure, but uh, the question is, do you feel your book will help ensure John Smale's impact and legacy will be with us forever? Uh, what's your contribution? Your book is that contribution. Do you feel that this wow. is your way to contribute to that? To his legacy? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't predict the future, but I do hope that the book will uh, serve to kind of memorialize a career that's worth remembering. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, to kind of put that in front of as many people as possible. Yeah, I, I told you when we first talked that I, I, I bring this book and then I bring a couple other books that I have. And I tell, the, I, I tell my clients the tale of, of, of two CEOs. Wow. <laughs> and so I go through all that again, different people that are from different companies in the past. And I, I hold this book up and the other books or the other articles. And I say, well, uh, these folks are say the same thing that I just said to you. Well, these folks are still here. Procter Gamble is healthy and strong as far as I can tell, um, you know, and, and they're doing very, very well. Well, I love the book. Uh, I know that, but to start to wind down, obviously we can't cover an entire book in a, in a 30 or 40 minute conversation. So, to be fair to you, what needs to be added? What didn't we talk about that you want to make sure that that point gets across? The one thing I'd stress that we have not uh, discussed is Smale's contribution to theories of what corporate governance in the United States ought to look like. Um, when he led that restructuring at General Motors, um, at the right after they installed Smith, the board of directors sat down and did a massive kind of reassessment of their own performance over the previous decade 
and of the rules in place at General Motors um, that had allowed the company to slide into the decline it did um, in the late 80s and early 90s. And to their credit, they completely overhauled the rules of the road um, mm. for how the board interacted with management. Um, and that became, I, I think it was, I don't know if it was Fortune or Forbes or one of them published a, you know, a Magna Carta for corporate directors is what they called these rules. And uh, large, you know, CalPERS, for instance, sent a copy of it to every company they invested in and said, we need you to tell us whether you're doing this too. Um, wow. And it, I, I think I mentioned in the book that as I was reading, you know, I've been a business reporter on and off for most of my life. Sure. When I was reading the book, I was stunned at what was going on inside GM. Uh, I just, I was baffled that it yeah. was allowed to happen. Yeah. And I kind of eventually realized, wait a minute, I started my career after this. This uh, was the watershed that changed the way corporate boards operated. That's why this seems so bizarre to me, is that by the time my career got going, yeah, that uh, that new set of rules was largely enforced in most of corporate America. Wow. In addition to P&G, the legacy uh, General Motors and changing the governance, uh, that's quite a legacy yeah. <laughs> to, to leave behind. That's that's pretty significant. So my guest has been Rob Garver. You can find more about him at robgarver.net. Robgarver.net. That is correct. Correct, Rob? That is yeah, so Rob, G-A-R-V-E-R dot net. His book, which I strongly suggest every business person read, is Here Forever, The Timeless Impact of John Smale on Procter & Gamble, General Motors, and the Purpose and Practice of Business. Rob, thanks so much for being part of the Business Builder Show. I, I've enjoyed the book, and I enjoyed our conversation. It's been a great pleasure, Marty. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Business Builders Show on the Business Builders Media Network. Find all our shows and many other great podcasts at businessbuildersmedia.com. That's businessbuildersmedia.com. 